Hey, good morning. Normally my role's finished at this point. I get to sit down and open a bottle of water and relax, and Stuart, Jimmy, or Alan usually preach, and now it's reverse roles, and Stuart's looking comfortable over there, knowing exactly how I'm feeling just now. So um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Stephen, one of the youth leaders in the Vine Church, and uh, Monday to Friday, I'm a plumber through the day, or try to be, and I often go into people's houses and they say, I could do a wee bit of DIY here and there, but water, I, I just can't, I don't know anything about it. And I think to myself, it's simple, it's, it's easy. And then I've tried to like, do some computery things this week for this, and it just hasn't pulled off. So there's going to be no slides, because that's just how organized I am. So um, the title for the sermon today is called Counterfeit Christianity. And I'll explain later on where that title came from. But um, counterfeit means a copy that is represented as the original. To make a copy of with the intent to deceive or plain and simply, it's not genuine. And I've been reading a lot recently through the Gospels and the Book of Acts. And so I'm going to be speaking on some of that this morning. But I want to start with a with a question for all of us today. There is no intention to point the finger or to come across from one side or another. We're in this together, so I just want you to know that when I preach this morning, I'm preaching to myself as well. Um, so the question is, what kind of church are we today? In 2015, what kind of church are we today? And when I say church, I, church, I don't just mean the Vine Church specifically. The church is you and I and anyone else who um, is a, a believer of Jesus Christ that has accepted him and carries out um, what Jesus asks us to do. We're not defined by a building, as we've said. And uh, what I really enjoyed about reading the Gospels and the, the Book of Acts was the explosiveness of the church. Um, so I'm going to take you back to at the time where Jesus Christ has just been crucified and you can imagine the helplessness and the sadness and the sorrow of the disciples who haven't quite yet got it, that they're, they're the Messiah, they believe the Messiah has been crucified. And you can imagine them loafing about, maybe feeling a wee bit confused and unsure and unsettled about what's going to happen now that their Messiah has gone. But then Jesus returns and the excitement and the joy and the adrenaline that they must have experienced seeing him, being able to go back up to him and hold his hands and to hug him and to embrace him. Imagine going from one extreme to the next. And that's the point when God must have been looking down and saying, the adventure is about to begin. You better get ready. The adventure is about to start. Then we read that the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples. And they're meeting together in tongues of fire, and they start to prophesy, and people start to believe, and people start to get saved. Something that had never been seen before. The disciples were the first to experience the Holy Spirit falling on them in this nature to speak in tongues of in different languages and to go out and preach with boldness. People were getting healed, which they'd seen 
when Jesus demonstrated, but they were actually going out now with the power of the Holy Spirit and seeing people get healed. Blind people were able to see and crippled people were able to walk. On the other hand, we've got Stephen who stands up boldly and he proclaims the gospel of Jesus and in doing so, loses his life. But as he's, a, as he's been stoned, he sees heaven open up. And in that moment, this man who believes in Jesus cries out for the forgiveness for the people who are doing such things to him. And then, while all this is going on, there's people trying to drive the new Christians out of their towns. They don't want them there. They're driving them out. And then Peter and John... I'm trying to capture the explosiveness. You could imagine me trying to tell you this with a Wimbledon commentator's accent. And then Peter and John. Trying to capture the explosiveness. So then Peter and John, they go and preach to the crowds. And they see thousands being saved. Can you imagine today witnessing such a thing? Literally thousands of people crying out and saying, I believe and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But in doing so, Peter and John, they are arrested, as we read in the early chapters of Acts. And because it's evening and the officials, they don't know what to do with them, so they put the two of them in prison until the morning when they they can deal with um, this. So, they're questioned, they're brought before the, the religious leaders and they're questioned for what they've done because they walk up, you remember the story, to the man who cries out for silver and gold and Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I can give you is the power of Jesus Christ. And he tells the crippled man to stand up. So this sets an uproar in the place. Again, can you imagine how intense it must have been to witness such a thing and to see all this happening? Now, they're about to be questioned, and I I tried to, I've learned from Rock Nations, we've had some fantastic speakers down there, and they they try and take you into a story. So I thought, I'm going to try and get into this story. So I made Peter and Stephen, just for the purpose of an illustration, and They're about to be questioned. Now, Jesus the Messiah has been crucified, so they know what these religious leaders are capable of doing. Stephen's been stoned for believing in Jesus, so again, they know what these people are capable of doing. And they're about to be questioned. Now, if I was standing next to Peter, I would be thinking, don't say a word. Nothing. Don't say anything. I'm too young to die. I'm not even at my peak yet. Don't say a word. That's what I'd be saying to myself. John must have been thinking something similar, I'm sure. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That is in Acts verse 4, verses 8 to 10. So get this, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. 
for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And I'd like to take the two main points from that, is they had no special training in the Scriptures. And two, they had been with Jesus. We're going to hold on to those two points. If you're taking notes, maybe you could take a note of those two. And I'm going to flip this a little bit to the other side. I'd like to read a quote that I heard recently, and it's an encouraging one for all of us, that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those who he calls. So each one of us, he does not call the qualified, but he qualifies those who he calls. And religion is the flip side of this, and it has it the other way about. And in the years that I've been a Christian, I've learned, and many of you guys will be well aware of how dangerous and destructive religion can be. And religion and religious people, they have a way of making others feel a little bit insuperior, a way of belittling what you know and your apparent knowledge. Maybe they like to quiz you and get a kick out of what you do and don't know. The result of this, I'm sure many of you have experienced, is that we feel terrible. If you've been around religious people, you feel terrible that we can't or we don't, won't ever be able to get it right or measure up to what is apparently the right way to be. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been around someone like that, and it's a little bit like having the life sucked out of you. And to explain how I see that, I've got a small video clip if the guys could put the minions up for us and kill the lights as well. That would be great. Give it up for the minions. There's a little bit of fun of what religion can look like when it gets a hold of us. <laughs> Another quote I'd like to read is that religion scratches where people don't itch. Religion scratches where people don't itch. You see, when Peter and John were brought before the council, it was literally a face-off. You have one group of men who think they are the holiest of holies, and they think that they are the business. Flown around looking good, looking like the part, but deep inside their hearts are hardened, and they're too set in their ways to consider that Jesus could have actually been the Messiah. These guys had the knowledge of the Scriptures, but even so there was a blockage as they refused to consider things differently. 
And then on the other hand, you have John and Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. They have no special training in the Scriptures, yet 5,000 people repent and turn to Jesus because these men preached the gospel, and others are healed because they had faith and belief in Jesus. And people today are tired with religion, probably bored to death of religion. And Jesus himself challenged it and condemned these people for their the way they wanted to be. And that's where the counterfeit part comes into it. These people looked apart, but it was counterfeit. And what I want to ask us this morning, sorry, I've got a scripture first, Isaiah 29, verse 13. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. And what I want to ask, is there a little bit of religion in us? Is there a little bit of religion in each one of us? Has it found a way of getting in? Has um, pride taken a hold in our hearts? Are we stuck in an era and unwilling to accept how things are these days? Have we become critical and do we criticize the way others live despite the fact that God has given each one of us the free will to live as we choose? Do we look down on drug addicts, alcoholics, thieves and homosexuals and many others who don't measure up to apparently being, I quote, normal? Religion is a massive hurdle for some people to get over, and a lot of damage has been done by it. It's no secret. The Gospels speak of it, and even today we see it. And for the purpose of this morning's sermon, myself, Michael, and Seth decided to arm ourselves with a camera and a little bit of confidence, not much. In fact, I'll be completely straight with you. I was a text away from pulling out of doing this. That's how nervous I was to go and film this little video that we did. And our intentions with this video were not um, to point the finger, like I say, it was just to hear the voice of our city. Now, normally when you see a video and statistics and um, different things, it's, it's usually from another place, it's from another country, but I wanted to go into them filming with these guys and do a wee bit of filming just so we could see what people thought and how open they were to the church. And we were very open-minded, we decided just to go and ask some questions. I will be honest, I sound like a robot asking some of them because I'm reading them off an iPhone. I wish I'd be more relaxed at the time. Um, but we, we were nervous, there's no, no mistake. But do you know what? It was exciting as well because we felt like we were doing what we were meant to be doing for Jesus, was to go out into our city and into our community. And so we just went with it and we interviewed a few people and we're going to show that just now if Robert wants to start getting that ready. And we, we, made, we came across a lady who was a little bit down in our fortunes and we, we chatted to her and we spoke to her and probably for 20 minutes or so and as we were speaking to her, people were walking by and hurling abuse at her and calling her this, that and the next thing because she was sitting drinking and taking drugs. And um, behind us, you will see me looking over my shoulder here and there, there was just to capture the, the, the setting, it was a, a beautiful summer's day about three weeks ago 
the two days of summer that we actually got, we managed to go out on that day, so we were very blessed. I'm sure that was definitely a leading from the Holy Spirit that says Cameron did not get drowned. And uh, there was people enjoying life. They were eating their dinner and having a few drinks behind us. So that's towards the end of the video. I'm just trying to paint the picture that we didn't go out to show you guys or to stand up here and say, look what we did. That was never the intention, so please don't see the video. We just wanted to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and to hear the voice of our city. So, Robert, if you could play that video, that would be brilliant. Have you ever been to church? Only once or twice throughout my life, you know, not, more, not often. I did attend a church when I was younger, and I sung in a choir for a church. Uh, but these days, no, I, I don't really believe in God, so I, I don't attend the church. Ooh, uh, just religion. That's all I haven't really got a lot to do with the church at all, no. Well, I've got to see John McDonald, yes you are. He's helped me come for the drink, you know. He's met me up yesterday and they caught him back in there because it was about getting a truck. Okay. Not very much, to be honest. I'm an atheist. My mum goes to church a lot, still. Uh, every Sunday mum goes, so. I suppose for the family side of things, like, it's kind of nostalgia through that. My grand goes to church still to this day as well, and that, but for myself, not that, very, not that much at all. Have you ever been invited to church by anyone? Um, not really, no. No, not that I can think of. Uh, I suppose when I was really went with my grand, like, to Sunday school with my grand, when I, like, well, she was looking after me, but uh, not since I've been an adult, definitely, no. Not for a long time, no. no. If someone did invite you to church, would you go or would you tend not to go? Um, I'd be open to it. I'd like to see what it's about. Uh, for a wedding or a christening or something, not for a normal service. Um, it depends. It depends who it was. Um, if it was a friend, yeah, it might do. Yeah. Do you think the church could do more in the local community? The community? Churches in general need to actually advertise themselves more. Um, well, I'm not really aware of what they do just now, so, you know, everyone can always do more. Well, I know from other people that some of the churches around here are. I, I have friends who have been helped by uh, councillors who, who operate out of the church, and uh, I know people who still attend kind of mass or, uh, or services, especially at Christmas. So do you mean just billboards or social media or...? Do you have any recommendations to that? Well, I don't use social media, so uh, that's probably useless for me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think actually sort of they, they need to actually sort of get themselves into the papers. They need to actually sort of make sure they're actually sort of getting themselves out there and sort of showing what they're doing. If you're doing good work, you might as well actually advertise it and sort of say what you could do to help. Um, the that sense of community, that's what you really need. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to be honest. Like, do you mean your church specifically? Do you mean the church in general? Church in general. Probably. I feel like young people is the main thing the church needs to do, I suppose. Ah, oh, because that day, because you like the food bank, you know. The food bank? Right, you're a church and you're taking people all the way, like, to a farm, you know, right? Actually, I've, I've got a young daughter and I have taken her to a, uh, a playgroup at church uh, in the last couple of years, so I suppose I, I have yeah. used the, the services there, which has been good. The church needs to appeal to young people? Yeah, well, congregations are getting older, aren't they? Yeah, do you think that would have a positive effect on the community if the church reached out more to younger people? I don't know. It really depends. It depends what arm of the church, I suppose. The Catholic church's name's kind of been dragged through the mud. Sure. So a lot of young people especially have been put off by that, and it's understandable, I think. 
Have you ever heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes. Uh, yes. Vaguely. <laughs> yeah. So you wouldn't understand if, what the gospel of Jesus Christ was? No, I can't define it to you, but yeah. Does it mean anything to you? Oh, I heard the Bible thing. You heard the Bible thing? Does it mean anything to you? Not enough, lot, no. Not enough, lot. Yeah. Does it mean anything to you? Not particularly, no. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings hope to a weary world. As man has been condemned by his own sin, Jesus paid the full price on the cross so that we could be reconciled with God and spared from an eternity in hell. If someone took the time to share this good news out of love and concern for you, how would you feel? I'm uh, grateful that they take the time to share that, but uh, it wouldn't be something I'd be receptive to. Uh, if you want somewhere offended by it, then I think it's, it's good news. I think it's good news at all to tell, to tell everybody they're born with sin. You're automatically a sinner. I don't believe everybody's automatically a sinner. I'd be... I'd, I'd respect it, you know. As long as it's not pushed on me, there's no reason why somebody shouldn't believe it, you know. I've been there and I, I just don't believe anymore. No. Respect you. You respect their respect. Aye. Great. That's, if that's what they're believing, I'm quite happy for them to sort of try and share it. Um, I might not always have the time for them, but yeah, I, I'm quite happy for them to make the attempt, if that's what they believe, yeah. Do we choose to believe or do we choose not to believe? You've said you're an atheist. <laughs> would, would, you ever, would you ever be willing to, to, to chat and to sit with people and to see if you could see it from another view, or are you dead set that you've got it right? I'm pretty sure that, in my mind, that I believe what I believe, and I believe it's true what I believe, but I sit with my mum quite often, I sit with my mum and my stepdad who goes to this church where, and we'll talk about religion, and. We'll talk through it, but I, with the long conversations I had with them, I, I can't see me ever change my mind. Like, sure. but I was happy to talk to you guys. So. Sure. Okay, let's pray for you then. So, dear right. Father God, we thank you for dear Lord. We thank you that she gave us our time. Father, we know that you love her, that you have a plan for her, and we just pray for your healing power on her body just now. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would move through her from head to toe. Father, we pray for a complete healing. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We pray that you would do miracles in our life and breakthroughs in all our situations, Father God. And I pray the Father's love. We pray your Holy Spirit would fill her up just now, Jesus. We know you love her. And we pray your spirit of peace would be upon her, Father. We pray for protection. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. We thank you so much. We declare healing just now in all these situations and, and, and different health issues father we know that all sickness and darkness bows down to the name of jesus father we thank you in jesus name we pray this amen thanks guys and i'd like to give michael and seth a round of applause please because they've worked tirelessly to put that together and stuff and um one of the things that we, uh, we, we gave people the option to basically opt out of being in this, so we sent them the copy of what we wanted to show and they got an opportunity to say if they wanted to be in or not. And, and one person who pulled out last minute, so um, these guys did a great job in putting that together despite the fact that we changed it at the last minute. <clears throat> but that was filmed maybe one and a half miles from where we sit and stand 
just now. And I'm sure you could take many positives from that. Like we have, we, we were surprised, first of all, how open people were to speaking to us, knowing that we were from a church and that we wanted to speak to them about a few things regarding church. Um, we maybe could have been a bit more relaxed and followed up. We, the young guy who mentioned that he'd been to church with his grandma, we did get a chance to explain the gospel, but my goodness, he caught us out with that one and none of us were ready for it. So we were a bit, um, how can I put it? We were a bit all over the place. I was anyway, it was me who was kind of doing it and I was a bit all over the place. And it just goes to show that we, as Peter says, we have to be ready to explain our faith. We have to be ready to have, with the reason of why we believe in Jesus and the saving power. And, you know, is there a, can we summarize that video into one, can we just, can we categorize it and say, achieve this or achieve that? That's, we don't, we don't, we haven't done that. We didn't want to do that. We just wanted people to be honest. And I think what was really hard hitting is even the other lady who didn't want to be in it, she answered pretty much the same questions. And those questions, have you ever been invited to church? And they all said no. And does the gospel of Jesus Christ mean anything to you? And pretty much all of them said no. And that's the challenge that we have today. When you see the explosiveness of the early church, when they went out there, it literally was life or death for these guys. They went out, and because of what they did, because of their fearlessness, because of their hope that they had in Jesus Christ, we can sit here today, and we know, and we have heard, and we have received the gospel. But if it wasn't for what these guys did back then, we might not have had that privilege. Moses speaks in Exodus. He says a small thing to the, to the people. He says, Teach your children, remind them the miracles of God morning, noon, and night, and at bedtime. Tell them the miracles that God, tell them his goodness, tell him everything he's done for us. And that's something that we can take. We want to have, I want my daughter to grow up on fire for Jesus. I know many of you kids want your kids to grow up on fire for Jesus. And it's our responsibility to model the church. It's our responsibility to get it right for the younger generations so that they will step up when it's their turn and they will go boldly as the first church did. And I suppose the challenge for us is, are we willing to be a bit more vulnerable and a bit more um, willing to put ourselves out there for Jesus? Now, I'm going to tell you, I said before, I was petrified going out there. I kid you not, petrified. What if they chase us back down the street with big sticks? Or what if they do this? And what if they do that? We did not know what to expect. But can I tell you one thing? We knew that that lady was desperate for a touch of the Holy Spirit. She was desperate to see the real Jesus. She was desperate to be blessed. Just before we did that, a man stood and cursed her. That's what she'll probably get day after day. Although good people will come and give her money, etc. But she... She, would, um, she took a, a, a bit of a mouthful of this guy. And so I knew in my heart that if we didn't pray for her, I would probably not have slept that night. And, you know, we invited her to church. 
and she said she would come and she maybe we thought she might she might not but what was more important for us is that we got a chance to to be the hands and feet of Jesus we got a chance to pray over sickness we she she pulled up her t-shirt and she had two hernias like the, honestly right out here both sides I've never seen anything like it she had this thing in her neck she said something with her foot I mean she was in a state I mean how much more pain does somebody need to be in before me could open my eyes to to that you know right in front of me if I had not I would have been I would have been a hypocrite if I'd probably refused to offer that lady a prayer and Michael and Seth all chipped in and just while we're on the subject the the fluffy thing at the bottom of the screen was not a dog as Zara thought it was the microphone so <laughs> she, she asked this morning whose dog it was I said that's the microphone Zara so You've been looking at this, probably wondering why there's a box on the stage. And this box got delivered to my house in the condition that it's in just now. And I'm going to take you back a little bit. When I was 18, I was a big earning apprentice roofer in my first year. And I went and treated myself to a pair of Nike Air Max trainers, like the business, the king of trainers, Nike Air Max. They were black and they were minted. And I was the big earner, and I was loving it, and I, and I went up to um, Knock Hill with my mate and his RS Turbo, his first RS Turbo, and he parked on the grass and did it not get stuck. So I'm sitting in the back, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really wanting to be the one who gets out here and uh, push this car out of the, the mud here. So... After a bit of persuasion, I got out with somebody else and we pushed this car and, you know, when a car wheel spins and the mud comes flying and I'm just watching my trainers get destroyed as the wheels turn, turn and turn. And so I got home and I did what every young guy probably does and just chuck them in the cupboard and I'll deal with that later. And uh, it was a bad idea because my mum decided that it was time to do the spring cleaning. And she picked up these trainers and must have thought, look at the nick of these things, a week's, full week's wages for me. And I never seen them again as they were thrown in the dustbin. So 12 years later, things change when you have a family. You've got mortgages to pay and council tax and Zara's gas bills from the heating being on 24-7, even in the summer. Every light in the house being turned on when you wake up. Does anyone else have to deal with these things? I just feel like I go to the back or switching everything off. Yeah, I see some hands going up there. So finally decided since it was my birthday that I would buy myself a pair of Nike Air Max trainers. I was so excited that I looked through the internet for weeks. I was going to get the right ones again. And I stumbled across the ones, and we were driving down to Bradford to Ewan and Alison and Zara. We were going to the leaders' conference down there, and I picked them there and then, and I proudly showed everyone that's the trainers that I'm going to buy when I get home, and that's happening. And so, everybody being generous as they are at birthdays, gave me some birthday money, and I went online, and I clicked that button to pay. And as soon as I did, I just got that horrible feeling in my stomach. Do you know, I don't know if you've had that where you're like, I think I've just been conned. Do you know that feeling? I got that instantly. And a week went by, and another week went by, and another week went by, and there was no trainers. So I emailed and emailed and emailed, 
and I got no response whatsoever. So I gave up and I went down the town to buy another pair of trainers that weren't as nice and as expensive. And I was telling the young guy about what had happened to me and he says, well, just phone your bank because they can get you your money back if you've not received your goods. And I'd never heard of this, so brilliant. So I went to the, to the bank, I phoned the bank, sorry, and they said, yep, sure, if you've not had your product within the time that they've stated, you are entitled to a refund. So I kept checking my online banking to pay for Gara's, uh, Zara's gas bills. And then I'd seen that the money went back in and I was so delighted. I was, I was over the moon and very grateful that I had been, justice was done, I got my money back. But then suddenly I started getting emails in terrible English, broken English that didn't even make sense from an apparent company. Uh, it was a nikeermax.co.uk website. I thought it was genuine. Maybe I'm a mug, I don't know. And they started sending, and I, I started giving them a, a bit of a mouthful back saying that I'm going to take you all the way. You will not get a single penny from me, you crooks. And then... See, what these companies do is they, they provide the bank with a dispatch note to prove that they actually did send the trainers, and then the bank have no option but to then credit them the money back. So these trainers arrived, <clears throat> and they're as fake as you could get. And just to point out one or two things, for anybody who's wearing Nike trainers just now might be able to pull the tongue back and read a website that says, NikeBetterWorld.com, whereas mine says NikeBetterWarrid.com. The stitching is no more than glue, and it's actually comfier to wear that cardboard box as a shoe than it is to put this on. On another note, they're not the trainer that I ordered. They are neither the color or the style that I asked for. And so here I am stuck with a counterfeit trainer. And next thing that happens is the bank take the money back and give, them, give it to these crooks. So I phoned the bank, and they passed me on to customer excise, and I phoned them, and they passed me on to Nike, and I'm going round and round and round and round. And eventually, they all said, there's nothing they can do. And the bank said that I can't get my money back. And I said, so what you're telling me is that 15 years a customer paying my £12 a month for a gold account so I can get free holiday insurance and AA. You are going to honour these criminals and these crooks and you're going to give them my money. Silence. Not a word. And that was the end of it. So these have sat in this box ever since. And I was angry. I really was. I was angry. I'm not going to lie to you. In fact, I was that angry that if I'd seen whoever they were walking down the street, I probably would have pinned them against the wall and taken my money back off them. That's how angry I was. Very Christian, isn't it, to do such a thing? And I was mad and I was furious and I thought, oh, how, how can they, you know, I trusted them. I trusted them with my money. I gave them my, my order. I could have went anywhere, but I gave it to them. And they knew thing well all along. They were deceiving me and they were cheating me and they were never going to give me the genuine product that I was looking for. And that's where the sermon title came from, was Counterfeit Christianity, because it hurts not to be given the genuine product. It hurts to be deceived and to be led astray. And people are hurting just now from the destructive ways of religion. And 
the young guy said, the church, some of the church's names has been dragged through the mud as we see people being highlighted for doing terrible things to younger people, and they hide behind religious duty. And counterfeit Christianity has robbed people's trust in the church. Now, there are good church. This is a good church. I'm not attacking and I'm not being critical. But I want to ask some questions just to close that as men and women, um, have we got a little bit of religion? I know we mentioned that earlier. Are we, do we live double lives where we tell people we're Christians and we believe in Jesus, but then we live in another way that would maybe show them that we aren't actually a genuine product of what we claim to be? Do we proclaim our faith and tell people what we believe, but we'll quite happily use foul language and and, and chip in and just be like the normal uh, way of speaking in our work environments or at schools? Are we guilty of ever lifting our voice and singing the praise to God and to Jesus but then bad-mouthing people or speaking about people or even saying things about the church or the church that we go to. Jesus has given us an incredible, special privilege of building his kingdom. The responsibility has been placed on each one of us. He calls for us to build his kingdom. And um, the New Testament speaks a lot of the conflict with religion and those who believe in Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to mention those two points again. Peter and John had no special training in the Scriptures. They were just faith, fire-filled people who wanted to go out and see people's lives being saved from the ways of this world. And secondly, they had been with Jesus. And I want to ask us, do we maybe need to get back into that place where people know that we've been with Jesus, where people know that we are on fire for Jesus, that we have an active prayer life, that we know our Bibles, we read our Bibles. It's not about the knowledge, it's about getting, it's our food, as Jesus said, it's the the Word of God is like our bread. And so, the disciples had seen and experienced the compassion, love, and mercy that Jesus had for the lost and the sinners. And nothing else mattered to them about, apart from to go out and to give that good news to the people out there who hadn't heard that there would be confused people who'd heard this, that, or the next thing. But they went out determined to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as they could, and they were willing to pay the price and the sacrifice for that. So maybe the band could come back up just now. I want to finish just with some prayer. But I want us to think about where we've been. You know, we can get caught up in serving so much that our heart for Jesus fades. We don't realize it's happening to us. We, we get so involved, and, and I'm so guilty of it. I get so involved of just turning up and being there and being there, but missing out on why I'm actually there in the first place. And when we become dry, and we need that quality time with Jesus Christ, you see... The Bible tells us how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And maybe street evangelism or preaching or whatever is not your thing, but we all 
need to be aware of people's needs. We have to be willing to, be, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to be vulnerable. Now, it says here in Romans 10, 14 to 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent, as it was written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? Just start playing to that awesome. People are tired with the counterfeit. They're tired of religion. They're tired of seeing the church's name in a bad way. And we've got the special responsibility of showing people Jesus. That's what it all comes down to. As Peter and John stepped out, they were only there for Jesus. They weren't fussed about what they looked like praying and, and what they were wearing and all the rest of it. They just had a heart and a hunger for Jesus. And I want to encourage us as a church that the time is now to be reaching out to people. The time is now to be stretching out our hands in faith and praying for people and saying, Do you know what? This is Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. This is what he wants for you. People who are living lives where they, they, they want to go around, they, they maybe get caught, they think they're living the dream. Who's lived the dream? I remember living the dream. We were sleeping about and all the rest of it and drinking and partying and thinking this is the business. And it's not. It's just a counterfeit product of what God has in store and plans for each one of us. And if we've been living like that, the time to repent is now. God wants to set each one of us on fire. He has a plan. We heard it. He has a plan when you get saved and people say he's got a plan for your life. And we need to we need to embrace that. He does. The the the, the sleeping around or the drinking or the drugs needs to be thrown to the side. It's a counterfeit product of what Jesus has for you. And he calls each one of us to stretch out our arms with grace and compassion and love and be his hands and feet and be the, the good news to people to explain it in a way that's different from what's been portrayed on television and in all these different situations. Maybe I could ask you guys to stand to your feet. I get a bit passionate and I can be a bit down the line sometimes, so I apologize if I've came across like that. I haven't asked our pastor to pray, but I wondered if you could maybe pray that the fire and the Holy Spirit would fall on us just as it did with the disciples. And that when we're, do you know the thing is when we do that, when somebody prays, this is, this is how I sometimes think, you pray and you're on fire, you're in here and you're buzzing and you're like, do you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But then the reality is when you go to that place or you're with that person and it's silent and there's no music and there's no lights and all your friends aren't there and it's just you. But that's the moment where the Holy Spirit can show up and say, just speak out because I will give you the words to speak and I will show you what you need to see. So I'm going to ask if our pastor could lead us in our prayer to close this meeting. I thank you all very much for this morning. Hey, all right. Uh